You are looking live at chicken dinner. I bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. I think I'll take two chickens. Go on riverboat gambling trips. You're gonna die for some chickens. Hey, what's your chicken dinner? Someone is. It was feathers yesterday, there was no chicken. What you got riding on this game? My daughter. What a gambler. It's chicken dinner. Hey, Babalugas, we got a bet here. Here's your host, Sam Panianovich. It's called Winner Winner Chicken Dinner right there, boys. <laughs> Let's get this thing going. Winner Winner Chicken Dinner. How about that? Uh, away we go. Chicken Dinner Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. Follow on Twitter at ChickenXDinner. DMs are always open for you. And subscribe so you get this mother clucker once it goes live. We will talk to Clive Bixby from The Hammer. The importance of closing line value. Top-down strategy, Clive's love for the NBA, and so much more coming up later on in the show. I missed you. It's been a couple of weeks. It's been hectic because bowl season really makes things difficult from a content perspective. Like, there have been several situations over the last week, nine days, where I'm starting to write a story and then you get a call about Tennessee having multiple opt-outs. So (laughs) somebody like me has to get down, help my friends get down, then you got to remember to tweet it out. It's just, it's chaos, and this will go all the way through the end of the calendar year. So I apologize for not having a show last couple of weeks. Uh, We've been busy over here. People are taking PTO and all that, and I'm actually going to be off all next week, but I have missed you. I wanted to get that out there. I did send a tweet out end of November about the Spotify year in review. Maybe you saw it. Chicken Dinner, which I was stunned to know this. Chicken Dinner is in the top 10% of most followed podcasts. The show created over 2,000 minutes of new content, which is more than 88% of other creators in the sports category. And the listener profile is enthusiast. Quote, Your listeners are super fans. When their favorite podcast releases a new episode, they're among the first to know, going above and beyond to show their support. As I always say, without you, there's no show. And it has been a fucking roller coaster on this program. We started it back in August of 2016. It's December of 2022. It's been a while. Some of you have been with us since the beginning. Others have just started following. I appreciate all of you for downloading, responding, going back and forth. This is my favorite thing to do, and it has been since I started it with Joe Ostrowski years ago. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Back to the bowl games here. Now, I'm going to pass post for a second here, but... I got a couple texts earlier today, actually, like, hey, like, I know these numbers are probably gone, but what did you bet? So the guys I work with out of Vegas have the following positions. And yes, a lot of these numbers are gone. Clemson minus three and three and a half. LSU minus eight. Oregon State minus five and a half. SMU minus one and a half. And you could probably still get numbers on this game. Washington plus six. And the over in that game against Texas, 68. Now, again, I bring this up not to boast about getting good numbers, but my strategy has completely changed over the last three years. It's all about quarterbacks and coaches. That is all that matters. And you are able to get good numbers just betting on what's likely going to happen. I made a list of 12 quarterbacks this year going into bowl season. Will they play? 
These are the big names, right? And I'm not going to give you all the quarterbacks, but it was a long list. And on that board, I think eight or nine of those guys are not going to play. Anthony Richardson was at the top of the list because if he doesn't play, Florida is screwed. Florida is without quarterback one, Richardson, going to the draft. Quarterback two, Jalen Kitna, got popped for child pornography, so he's not going to play. He's kicked off the team. Quarterback three is hurt, so they might have to go quarterback four or Wildcat. They are depleted, defeated. They got to go to Vegas where distractions are literally around every single corner. This is going to be a blowout. Now, do I want to sit here and tell you to lay 10 and a half, 11? Not necessarily, but I think people have this misconception that if you lay five and a half or six, well, you got to middle it on 10 and a half. No, I don't. This could be a bloodbath. Oregon State wants to be here. They mean business, and almost the entire defense will come to play in this game, just eligibility-wise, against a Gators offense that will be going through the motions with quarterback three or four or five, whatever. I'm not taking back because I think Florida has no interest in this game. They didn't even want to play in the game, I'm being told. They were like, oh, we want to play in the Gator Bowl. Now they got to go to Vegas and play a team with a good defense? Forget it. But I thought Richardson was definitely not going to play. So when they hung a number, five and a half, six, you bet it right away. The worst thing that happens, he says he's going to play, and you get off it. My strategy is completely different. Five years ago, ten years ago, I would, like, just wait until the games, you know, and, like, if you're waiting until kickoff, you're just doing it wrong now. Like, people are going to literally log into their apps on Saturday and go, hmm, I like SMU, and they're going to lay something that they could have gotten earlier in the week, like Monday, Tuesday, that number's one and a half, too. Well, guess what? It sounds like Jaron Hall's not going to play, the quarterback for BYU. He was on my list. That number touched five and a half. Now, there's been some buyback on BYU, but once it becomes public that Jaron Hall is out, that number's going to run. I think it's six, six and a half. Quarterbacks and coaches, that is all that matters. And I'm telling you, I'm not even handicapping the games anymore. I'm handicapping availability. And I'm forecasting where the number is going to go. You knew Jeff Brown was leaving Purdue. So when the books opened up LSU, eight, mostly eight, you had to lay it. And now the reports out of Purdue are getting literally worse by the minute. Brown is gone. He's bringing pretty much the entire offensive staff with him to Louisville. A lot of the key players on offense are opting out or transferring. And now Aiden O'Connell, who's been a pretty decent quarterback, is he going to play with nobody in the hopper? I mean, we're talking about two best receivers out, running back out, running back two out, O'Connell up in the air, no coaches. Look, I think this game is going to close 14. But again, you are handicapping where you think the market's going to go. And look, I'm sorry I didn't tweet out LSU, Oregon State, SMU, but look, things happen. You know, you get on the phone, ring, 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 and then all of a sudden you're getting down and guys are betting and, you know, shit gets real. But I'm telling you, going forward, where's Patrick at with a notepad? You're handicapping availability in the Bulls. Put it on the notepad. Quarterbacks and coaches. That's 90% of this shit in bowl season. Is the quarterback in? Is the coach staying? 
Forget motivation. Will you say, oh, it's all about motivation? No, fuck no. It's not about motivation. Who is on the field? Who is on the sidelines? And if you can pinpoint the right coaches and quarterbacks, you can move these games and you can get great numbers. The Detroit Lions are a top 10 team now in Las Vegas. I'm sure you saw me arguing with that hillbilly from Rockford about Lions, Vikings, you know, the kid who probably dates his cousin. He called me a clown because I went on You Better You Bet with Nick and Ken. I laid out my case for Detroit as a favorite against Minnesota. And I said, basically, look, Minnesota's been lucky. They have. That's how you're 10-2 and with a plus-10 point differential. But the bet really wasn't so much about Minnesota. It was more about Detroit. That team is hot right now. They are peaking. The offensive line is one of the best in the entire NFL They have speed and skill literally all across the lineup. Jamison Williams went down the field for a long touchdown pass. Yeah, I know. You don't like Jared Goff. So what? He's protected. He has weapons. And they are turning that team loose. Detroit has covered six games in a row. They've won five of the last six on the money line. And multiple Vegas bookmakers are telling me they have the Lions now in the top ten of their power ratings. You don't know what you're talking about. No, idiot, you don't know what you're talking about. I know you're a Vikings fan, but remove your purple goggles and pay attention. There are literally only two teams that have been as good as Detroit at the window this year. Detroit has covered 9 of 13 football games. Good teams win, great teams cover, right? 9 and 4 ATS. Do you know who's better than them? Well, New York is tied. Giants are 9 and 4 ATS. Cincinnati is 10-3 and ATS. So if you've bet on every single Lions game this year on that team, you're 9-4. and And when you think about the NFC, look at that conference right now. Don't look at the standings. Look at the teams. If you're power rating the NFC, you start with Philly. Then you go to Dallas or San Francisco. I mean, if it's Brock Purdy, you put Dallas 2, San Fran 3. If it's Jimmy G, you put San Fran maybe two. Whatever. That's the top three. Philly, Dallas, San Francisco. Then it's probably Detroit. It's not Minnesota. Recent form, it's not Minnesota. Don't even start. Their defense fucking sucks. They got shredded by Mac Jones and Mike White. and Come on. They're not playing well. Current form, it's Philly, Dallas, San Francisco, Detroit. Better than Minnesota, Washington, New York, Seattle, Tampa, obviously Green Bay, Los Angeles. People say, oh, the NFC's wide open. Not really. It's three teams that can win it. Again, Philly, Dallas, San Francisco. But Detroit, if you're you're betting against the Lions because they're the Lions, that's lazy. They have been playing some of the most efficient football over the last six weeks, and if you don't understand that, I just don't know what to tell you. And this guy's like, oh, I'm living rent-free in your head. No, you're not. You look like an idiot. Everything I said about that game came true. Rent-free, bro. No, you're just an idiot. That's it. Move on. I'll move on. Week 15, NFL. Holy crap, time flies. I do lean to Minnesota, minus four. I think that's a good number and a decent spot to come back on the Purple People Eaters. Indianapolis is awful. So I thought about putting Minnesota in contest at minus four. We'll see there. I lean to Chicago. I'm going to take all those points. Bears defense, really bad, but it causes their offense to play 
faster and with more speed and tempo, which is better for Justin Fields, one of the most electric quarterbacks we've seen in the NFL in a long time. You know, Jalen Hurts, Justin Fields, that's going to be a great game. I like the over two, 48, 48 and a half, but I think Chicago keeps this inside nine. Lean to the Giants. Ugh, I need one more win from this football team. Over seven. They started seven and two. They're seven, five, and one. I need one more win. But why is this game four and a half, five? They just tied. The, the game should be three. You make the home team three, and that's it. I can't believe it's four and a half, five. And look, Jacksonville's been playing better too. Lawrence, when he's healthy and he's fine in rhythm, that kid can play. I'm a big fan. Jacksonville now getting four and a half, and the four and a halves are disappearing. This opened Dallas minus six. Now we're down to four. That should tell you a lot about what the Sharps feel about this game. They like Jacksonville, and I tend to agree. Let's see. I got a couple more things here before we get to Clive. Did any of you see this on Twitter? It's been the better against the OnlyFans girl. And I'm going to pull up sort of the Cliff Notes version. Ben made a tweet about it. I didn't know about this. Somebody pointed it in my direction. Holy shit. So there's this girl that won't be named because that's not what it's about. She basically, how do I want to say this? She gets in her underwear and gives out sports betting advice. If that's your thing, whatever. Ben the Better is a Twitter famous handicapper who's awful. He's like the bartender on steroids. So apparently, these two had a one-week betting contest for $10,000. That's a lot of money. Ben put this out. It's like a recap of what happened. He says, I need your guys' help. The truth regarding my betting competition with unnamed porn star, whatever. So, seven-day betting contest for $10,000. Apparently, this girl had been going at Ben for weeks, berating him, talking shit, you know, all this stuff. And then she says, I would smoke you in a handicapping contest. So, Ben says, all right, let's do it. She flaked. She basically just said, no, I'm not going to pay you after losing. On the sixth day of the competition, she was 7-16-1 for minus nine units, mathematically eliminated from being able to win. So he messaged her. She said she'd pay within four or five days. And then the messages went on and on, and Ben didn't get paid. And he's like, yo, what's up? You, you talked all this shit. You made a wager, and now you're flaking. She started to ignore, and this is usually a bad sign. Here's the tweet from her. I will put up $10,000 cash against you. Don't care about the book. Don't talk about it. Be about it. Me versus you, 10000 cash, one week. I'll be waiting. Let me know. I know you won't, but let me know I'm here. And then she gets drilled in this one-week contest, which is another fascinating twist. Like, who does a one-week betting contest? That is so random. I have losing weeks all the time. Seven days is not whatever. I don't care. It's, it's dumb to begin with. But this girl basically said, look, I'm not paying you. Here's what she told Ben over DM, and I have the screenshot of Ben's DM. He posted it. She said, listen, I tried to deposit 10K into crypto.com. Like I told you, PNC rejected it. I told you to relax because you were blowing me up. Instead of waiting, you decided to blast me on Twitter. So no, I am not paying you because of that. There's your answer, and that's not changing. Feel free to spin this however you want and make a video or whatever it is that you do, LOL. Ooh, the LOL hurt right there. This is unbelievable. 
And then they just keep going back and forth at each other. And she says, I was going to pay you, but now I'm not. Guess that's karma for always being a piece of garbage to everybody. <laughs> this is this is wild. Where I'm from, you get straightened out for something like that. I was going to pay you, but now I'm not. And this is not 10 bucks, 100 bucks, 500 bucks. This is $10,000. I'm sitting here like... Michael Jackson meme, just throwing popcorn into my mouth, waiting for what's next. <laughs> Bend the better against the OnlyFans tout. Yikes. Uh, two more quick things. Illinois, congrats to the state of Illinois for breaking the $1 billion handle mark in the month of October, becoming the fourth state to do that. New York, New Jersey, Nevada have already done it. Illinois ranked only behind New Jersey and New York. Sports betting in the state of Illinois is up 82% since August. Good for them. And you know what really changed? They took away that stupid rule where you couldn't bet on in-state college teams. You can now do that. You can't bet props, but you can bet on Illinois, Northwestern, DePaul. And they put back in the mobile registration. Because J.B. Pritzker, you know, rich uncle Moneybags, decided that you have to physically come into a casino during COVID, mind you, to sign up and fund your account. But now you can do it from your couch. So all of those factors, plus you have football, Illinois over a billion dollars in handle. Big money, big money. Last thing, we lost a legend, Mike Leach. One of my favorite coaches in the history of sports. I remember when this guy was at Texas Tech and then went to Washington State and had the air raid offense, and we used to bet him like crazy after college. Oh, the money I used to put on that guy, the late-night games in Pullman. Oh, but what a quote. And I remember Joe Romano and I, when we were hosting Chicken Dinner, we used to get a bite of Mike Leach and play it every week. That was back when I was living in Vegas working at Decent. I did chicken dinner once a week with Joey out of Chicago, and I'm in Vegas. And we always got a bite of Leach. We tried to because you could just wind him up and let him go. Ask him about anything. Halloween candy, weddings, dating, wine, what, whatever. What a good dude. And he is going to be missed so much. I got really sad when I saw the news that he was, you know, in really bad shape, had a massive heart attack. You know, they were asking for prayers and they didn't, you know, they, he wasn't really hooked up to the machines anymore. I'm like, oh, God, that is so sad. But he treated young reporters so well. A lot of these coaches are bullies and jerks. He had time for everybody. A quote a minute. If you haven't seen some of the stuff, just go to Twitter, type in Mike Leach. Go to YouTube, type in Mike Leach. He is a legend, and I hope he rests in peace. <laughs> Joining us for the first time on Chicken Dinner, he works for The Hammer. He hosts Forward Progress at said Hammer, and he's on Twitter at Clive Bixby41, B-I-X-B-Y. Mr. Clive, welcome to the program, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I love the pseudonym. I think it's fantastic. Big modern family fan. And I love a good anonymous 
pseudonym. So this is outstanding. Um, how did you get involved with the guys over at Betstamp and Hammer? How did you get in touch with Rob and them? Um, the way that it started, I got serious in the space around two years ago. And Betstamp was relatively new at the time. And tracking CLB is a big thing for me. Uh, I started as kind of a top-down better where I, I really evaluated the market and, and tried to understand what was happening there. And we can talk more about that if that's something that you and the listeners might be interested in. But that being said, uh, Betstamp basically had so many different legal books and I could track all of my stuff in real time as well as publish out plays for the public to see. So I thought it would help me, one, track my CLV much more easily than I could on my own. And then two, help me establish credibility uh, as a winning better and then hopefully help some people along the way. It replaces the spreadsheet. I mean, for years we used spreadsheets and had to color code them and basically track everything by hand or by key. And that bet stamp stuff allows you to just, it minimizes all the riffraff. It really does. And then you can break things down by book, by sport, by bet type, by month, by day. Not that you can't do that with a spreadsheet, but it's just so easy and it's just very, very quick. It's not complicated to use at all. And, you know, it's a public verified way of tracking your place. You know, we have people on Twitter posting garbage, nonsense, past posting. Uh, they'll post the spread, but they won't post what the price was that they got, um, especially on things like props. So um, from there, I was one of their top bettors for 2021 based on the record that I had and started developing a little bit of a following on Twitter and they invited me on Circles Off. So two years in the content space. How long have you been teasing NFL totals for? <laughs> yeah, that's not something that uh, I advise at all. And, you know, I advise that as much as teasing through zero. It's just oh. nonsense. Yeah, I get people that'll slide into the DMs, and I, I keep the DMs open because I think it's it's helpful for me to understand how people think, but it's also I enjoy the back and forth, and I enjoy trying to help people make money. And I'll get texts like, hey, what do you think about taking this from minus three to plus three? And I'm like, you you can't do that shit, man. And it, I mean, it's pretty well-rooted in math. So it's not that it's some subjective measure. I, I just don't understand how people could argue against it and, and not only not argue against it, just be completely stubborn, not willing to listen to the whys. It's, it's not a smart thing to do. Um, don't buy points on totals, right? Unless you're getting an incredibly good price, meaning like five cents for half a point, which nobody gives. Don't do it. It's a fascinating space, and you mentioned you know some of the pitfalls on Twitter and all that. The biggest black hole is still looming, though, and I've heard rumors about this about Twitter. Twitter wants to add the edit button so we can go back and change what we've tweeted, and that is just, oh, my God. Can you imagine the touts and the influencers and the content creators if they can go back and change juice or change plays or flip Western Michigan to Toledo, it would just be it would be the Wild West on steroids if we could edit our tweets on gambling Twitter. Yeah, and listen, I know it's not going to sound objective because you know Bet Stamp has the affiliation now with the Hammer Network, and 
there's no excuse not to be using some sort of verified um, tracking for your picks, none whatsoever. And what you can do, what I've heard from the edit button, the proposal is you can edit it within, I believe, 15 minutes or something like that. And it'll say underneath, I saw an edited post today. It wasn't from a tout, but it also said what time the thing was edited too. But that being said, just use Betstamp, use some other tracking and, you know, be transparent. I lose all the time. Like, I don't, I don't get this thing where, you know, people are just so, so adverse to admitting they were wrong about something. Amen to that. Amen to that. So you've been sort of uh, an absorber, if you will, of the space, and you understand it extremely well. You deal with the pros and the cons. Um, what's your biggest bugaboo or your biggest issue with the sports betting space as it continues to grow and grow and grow? So for some people, it's it's guys like Trent um, who have this community following and they think it's incredibly irresponsible. And, you know, I understand that there's a community aspect and people want to bet together and, and win and lose together. I mean, you see it at like a craps table, uh, you know, in Vegas or Atlantic City or any casino for that matter. So that part I get. He's not misleading anybody saying like there's no way this is going to lose, blah, blah, blah. What it is is the people who are selling information whether it be picks or data and trends that truly mean nothing that are being misleading on purpose um and then you you've got some pretty relatively sizable names in this space that are touting you know unc is three and 17 its last 20 games against acc opponents against the spread or be even more specific it might be against it might be against Duke. It, that stuff doesn't matter. Like, I mean, the team 20 years ago, or I guess for college basketball, they play a few times a year. I'm just trying to make a point. Um, what happened 10 or 15 years ago isn't really relevant to a sports bet today. So those types of things are probably my biggest, biggest pet peeves. What happened two months ago doesn't matter sometimes in these leagues. Like the NFL, like if you were to take Cincinnati – Let's talk about the Bengals last year who got hot down the stretch, go all the way to the Super Bowl. If you would have told me what they did against the spread in September, th to me that has nothing to do with how they're playing in December and January. Correct. It's not necessarily predictive. There might be some factors that are predictive, but, I mean, you know, what happens in the past, that's basically just an explanation of what happened. It doesn't predict what's necessarily going to happen. The Boston Bruins are 6-0 and on the road in their last six games on Tuesday nights in Canada. <laughs> right. <laughs> with referees <laughs> with vowels at the end of their name. Like, what, what are you doing? It's just such trash. And, you know, I'm not going to call out specific people, but it's, it's pretty rampant. And people believe it. They want confirmation bias, too, of what they think already. So, like, if in your example, right, like, if they want the Bengals – they're just going to look for any reason to bet the Bengals, whether it's legitimate or not. And, oh, well, they're, you know, six and one, their last seven against AFC opponents in November. Cool. I'll bet that. That kind of thing. Bing, bing, check mark, check mark, cash bag. Um, you and I were talking before we started here, and I was not surprised, but I was intrigued when you said that the NBA is your favorite sport to bet. And the reason that I sort of perked up when you said that 
is because I just I can't keep the NBA in order. I've had pretty decent success, I think, in three of the last five years in the playoffs because I, when two teams play each other four, five, six, seven times, I get a much better understanding of how they match up and the, the rotations and the substitutions and all that. To me, I enjoy postseason NBA betting. But I can't, on a random Tuesday, random Wednesday, Sacramento going into Phoenix and Philly going on the road to face Detroit, I just can't keep it all in order. I never know who's in. I never know who's resting. I never know who gives a fuck. I, I think that league is just, it's impossible for me, but you enjoy it, yes? I do. Um, so, one, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I started as a top-down. Yeah, explain what that is. Explain what that is for, for those that don't know. Sure. So there there are these odd screens. Um, currently, the best ones are either Spank Odds, which is currently free, um, which is a lot like a Don Best. Um, it's better than Don Best. There's Unabated, uh, which you know I like using. And then there's Action Network. Basically, what it has is it has all of the lines in relatively close to real time, all of the prices on the major markets, spread, total, money line at most of the major books. So you can look at Bookmaker, Circa, Pinnacle um, as your sharp books who are basically going to be moving their numbers off of respected action as opposed to public betting splits, which is another pet peeve. Um, that's one of the garbage things that people sell that are absolutely meaningless. Um, and then you have some of your more recreational retail books like DraftKings, FanDuel, Caesars, etc. Um, and what you're doing is you're basically trying to understand as the market moves at one of these respected books, is the market going to continue to move that way? And can you get that price, the older price, as opposed to the new price? So if, you know, the Knicks Pistons tonight, right, like that game's currently Knicks four and a half. It was five and a half before the injury news, I believe. So if you can get a five and a half somewhere after you see one of those other books move, you're going to get some closing line value. So that's kind of how the top-down works. It's basically a market-driven approach. You're betting on the opinions of other respected bettors that are influential to the market. And you can watch the screen for those of you that have been using these screens. And I've talked about a lot of these options that are out there. I think, you know, for people that are looking for free ones that are a little easier to understand for beginners, I mean, Spank Odds is tremendous. It's the best out there. But the Wager Talk screen is very good for those that are just starting to learn how to read the screen. So what Clive will do is he'll watch the Heritages, the Chris's, the Bet Online's, and when these light up like a Christmas tree, when they turn red, usually signifying instant movement, you can essentially, what, scrape a good number at a book that's maybe slower to react. That's what you're getting at. Absolutely. Um, also, there's another, and, and part of what you need to do to be able to do that successfully is you have to be ready to execute and you have to be kind of watching the screen for, for news and, you know, lights popping up at all times, which is not something I, I like doing, but it was how I learned. And from that, trying to understand and reverse engineer, all right, well, I had an opinion on this game beforehand, right? Uh, I thought the, the Pistons should be uh, making this up. I thought the Pistons should be three and a half point dogs. The market was five and a half. Um, let me see which way the line moves 
and see if I'm right and how often that I'm right. So it, it helped me to find out teams that I was right about, wrong about, and try and understand the stats and the data that either led me into a wrong direction or what could I have learned from that market movement? Because, you know, the NBA and the NFL are pretty efficient markets as a whole. Why is the NBA sweet spot a little bigger than it is in other sports for you from what you can gather? Um, it's just something that I think I had a pretty good understanding of in terms of what data mattered and my perceptions of which way the lines moved. You know, Rob Pizzola and I have the Forward Progress show uh, that we're doing every Sunday night at 1030. And I think we're doing a pretty good job, actually, of predicting lines and line movement as a whole. Um, but for whatever reason, intuitively, the NBA came easier to me than other sports, especially totals. Um, and the other thing that I like about it is there's no, while the injuries are a pain in the ass, you don't have to worry about weather. You don't have to worry about every court's the same size. Hmm. Um, like all of the different things that might plague baseball or football. Um, you don't have that in basketball. You have a starting five. You have a relatively good idea of how many minutes the starting five is going to play. Um, so it's not easy to handicap. I'm not saying that, but it, it's a little bit more steady at that baseline. You know, baseball's got five five man rotations. You have that for 30 teams. It's it's a lot of factors. Starting quarterbacks in the NFL, line, all that stuff. It's there's just so much more there. So for whatever reason, it intuitively comes to me easier. I love to ask this question to people that are coming on for the first time. And this is something that I didn't give you because I don't want you to prepare for this. I want you to answer it with the first thing that comes to mind. It's an easy question. It may be a little painful, but do you remember the game in which you suffered your worst beat ever? Yes. Uh, last year, uh, Miami on the road against the Sixers. I had Miami, I believe, so I don't remember the spread that I got it at, but it was on the plus side. So they were either plus one and a half, plus two, plus two and a half, somewhere in that region okay. on the road. Very late, and this was not part of my handicap in the sense that I knew this was going to happen, um, but given the schedule and what was going on, I thought Harden and Embiid might sit. So I look at that as a potential upside that maybe one of them would sit. They both sat. The line ended up something like Miami minus seven or eight. Ugh. And that was my hugest position ever. And I kind of want to look it up now because I don't remember what the game ended at. But no matter what, I got absolutely <laughs> smoked. It was the, the worst CLV loss I've ever had for sure. Uh, and it was the biggest financial loss I had, I'd ever had. Oh man, you beat the line by nine points. It was it was big. Oh, I've had some bad ones in the NBA. The, the first one that comes to mind in the NBA, I think I can categorize and compartmentalize all my losses. The worst I ever had in the NBA, I was betting. I think I had a nickel on the Kings money line. They were at home. They were awful. This is when Marcus Thornton was their best player. We're going back to like 2013, 14. And the Kings were three to one at home to win outright against Indiana. Kings are up four with three seconds to go. 
and I'm this money's already spent, Clive. You know, like it's already it's already in and out. I've cashed in and cashed out. Paul George catches the inbound, turns from about 27 feet, throws it up, banks it in, and the foul. So he goes to the line, makes the free throw, and the Pacers win in overtime. My jaw was on the floor. I could not believe what had just happened. That's pretty disgusting. Um, and I just pulled this up now on, on Bet Stamp while we were talking. So I had Miami plus three and a half. The line closed at Miami minus eight and a half. <laughs> Philly won by seven. So I didn't even cover the three and a half. And I added on some money line um, once I heard the news because the news was also stepwise. I don't think, it, if I'm remembering that part correctly, um, they became questionable at some point. So I added on, and so it was twofold. It was that was gross. Eleven points. You beat it. You got a CLV trophy with double digits on it. Yeah, like so. I'd love to see what Bet Stamps like biggest CLV numbers are for a game that lost. But that one says forty one point one percent. You literally did everything right. Yeah, and that just goes to show you that's that's the nature of this business. So like. When you think about how much of an edge you might have, one, be really, really sure about your bankroll management because there is no such thing as a lock at all. Like it doesn't matter how much the line moves in your direction uh, unless you have an NBA game where, you know, you're playing five on four. Like there's really no such thing as a lock. That's the closest thing I think that could could come. It's, it's very difficult. Like the way I look at it, my job is to beat the market. Um, until my data is so strong where I am not all that worried about market moves against me. The NBA, I've gotten close to that point. But the NFL, if the market doesn't move in my direction, I'm very curious to why, and I'll investigate and look into it. This shit is so hard, man. And I come from an injury background. I used to be a reporter, so I would find injuries out. And in college football, we're all about the quarterbacks. If we find out the quarterback is hurt, we can get a lot of value on the line. And then in college basketball, it's the best player. And I go back to a game people that have listened to the show for years remember. We got that Io DeSumo was out at Illinois. Nebraska was plus 16.5. The line closed at 12, 12.5. The best player's not playing. We have it first. And Nebraska's down 18 with a minute to go. Even when you have the information, even when you beat the market by four, five, six, eleven points, whatever, it is still not a sure thing. And that's very important to understand when you're getting into this space. Let me ask you this. For people that are signing up for an account for the first time, right? They want to try their hand at sports betting and they put in three hundred, four hundred, a nickel on whatever American book. What would your advice be to somebody who is just starting and has never made a bet? What would you tell that person? Ooh, that's really, really difficult. I know you could go several ways with this, but what's paramount? What's the most important thing? I would start with bankroll management. That's probably number one. Um, second, I would say take advantage and try and understand what type of promos are available to you um, and use that to help build your bankroll. Don't overextend yourself. Um, don't, you know, if you have a $100 bankroll, 
there's lots of different promos and boosts out there. Understand what percentage of bankroll you're putting out there. You know, there's something called the Kelly criterion, which, which helps you understand, you know, your edge and how much of your bankroll that you should bet so that you're not, so you minimize your risk of going broke, but line shop, if you're telling me you only have one book that makes line shopping a lot harder, but I would say you still should, if you like a game and there are better prices out there, maybe you shouldn't be betting that game. Even if you only have access to that one book, that's telling you maybe that something's probably off. He is Clive Bixby. Please follow on Twitter at Clive Bixby four one. He is a co-host of Forward Progress, part of the Hammer family, and he's been with BetStamp for a couple years now trying to beat the market and get those CLV trophies. I appreciate you making time, man. Thank you, and good luck this weekend. You too. Thanks for having me. Good time. That about does it for Chicken Dinner. Thanks to Clive Bixby from the Hammer for hopping on the show. Record check, we are down 0.2 units in football. Is what it is. Uh, I got four in the hopper for you on chicken dinner. Clemson minus three and a half, Washington plus six, Washington, Texas over 68, and South Carolina plus two and a half. Those were all tweeted out at chicken X dinner. I wish there were more plays, but I promise you something is going to change in the coming weeks. We're going to get more information and uh, I will do my best to get that out there in the chaos and craziness of bowl season. These things get out, information leaks, and then the line's get blasted off the board and trying to keep all that in order is not the easiest so i will do my best uh when it comes to that coming up there will be a christmas episode next week yes i'm going into the vault posting some of my favorite guests over the years and of course tim donaghy made the cut cash of tickets make some money we'll talk to you next time right here on chicken dinner So it's